What's up, everyone? It's your boy, Danny Lopriori, and welcome to Off the Cuff. You might know me as the guy from the Basement Yard, Vine, the Lopriori podcast. And while I love to make people laugh, just know that I've struggled with my mental health for most of my life, just like many of you. Here on Off the Cuff, I will be talking with some of the most impactful influencers, athletes, celebrities, entrepreneurs, and mental health experts to have real, unapologetic conversations about mental health and breaking the stigma that surrounds it. This show is for you, and I'm so happy to have you here. Now, let's talk Off the Cuff. Welcome back to Off the Cuff. I'm your host, Daniel Priori, and today I am joined by an award-winning mental health campaigner film producer, public speaker, writer, and vlogger, Mr. Johnny Benjamin. How are you doing, sir? I'm all right. How are you? Doing well. Doing well. Hanging in there. Hanging in there. Thank you for taking the time to come on the show. I know that you're uh, over there in the UK right now. Yeah. I'm actually, it's been, a lo- it's been a long day, so I'm having a little bit of a drink. So let's get right into it, right? As a kid, did you ever feel that you know, in terms of your mental health that you might have been struggling with something. And then if you want to let us know what it is that you struggle with, that would be fantastic. Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, I knew there was something there. Like, you know, from when I was like really little, I knew. So that my parents took me to see a, a psychologist when I was five. So I didn't understand it. I didn't, you know, no one explained it to me because no one did right back then. Yeah. What's a psychologist like? Do you remember like, like going there? Little bits of it, funnily enough. Yeah, little bits. I remember her, the, the psychologist. Yeah. But I remember being very like confused and a little bit scared, to be honest. Yeah, because it was all it was all quite formal, like in this like psychologist room, me and my parents and, and her. And yeah, it was it was kind of weird. It's like they kind of like trick you and like let you play with stuff in there, but like ask you questions at the same time. I didn't have a lot of stuff to play with. This was Oh wow, they got right into it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. This is like you know, you remember like though, like they kind of trick you. They're just like, hey, like play with this train, and then like we'll ask you some questions. (laughs) No, I didn't get any of that. No, no, no. Man, you were in the deep then. Yeah, it was intense. I was. It was pretty intense for like a five year old. Super intense for five years old. I don't know. It was. It was. Yeah, and obviously my parents were there as well. But yeah, I didn't. I didn't. You know, I didn't. Did we? Because we didn't talk about it like outside of the psychologist like thing. So no, we didn't talk about it. It was very like we didn't tell family about it. It was like you know very stigmatized, very taboo. Like nobody wants to admit they're bringing their five year old to a psychologist. No, no, no way. Do you know what like kind of things you were dealing with though at that time? I was having what what they call you know these night terrors, like these really vivid nightmares that sort of come to life. So I wasn't sleeping properly. Mm like at all i was really anxious i was i was a little bit violent actually to be honest you were beating other kids up not other kids no more <laughs> no 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 more my family oh, that makes more sense that makes more sense you know why not i beat up a couple of my family members why not <laughs> yeah it's not something that i'm proud of but i don't know i was i, I was scared so i guess i was lashing out because of like the things that were happening at night time like the you know it was just scary so yeah i guess i was like yeah, I, I was. I was lashing out, I guess. Because I, re- I couldn't articulate what was going on. I didn't understand it. So, yeah, l- lashing out, I guess. Yeah. The reason I asked that question is because I didn't get a diagnosis. See, I, I have the bipolar type 2 is what I was diagnosed with. But I didn't get a diagnosed until uh, like 27, 28 years old. Wow. That's, yeah. 
So it's like kind of late to like kind of like have a bump. But you were you were like 20, correct? You got your diagnosis? Yeah, I was 20. I was 20. But there was still like, I'm sure it could have been diagnosed earlier. Yeah, for sure. My thing was I always hid from doctor's offices. Mm. Especially like if I'm not going to go to a doctor for like my broken hand, I'm not going to go to a doctor for my broken brain. Like that's the last thing I'm thinking about. Just because like growing up, it was just very, you know, like, it, you know how it is. It's very stigmatized. Nobody really wants to admit that they have something psychologically wrong with them. Like, I'd rather have like, at that point in my head, I was like, I'd rather get like diagnosed with like cancer or something yeah, than get diagnosed with some kind of mental illness because cancer, it's like, all right, hey, what's up? We can go in there. We could start chemo and there's some kind of end to it. Yeah. Good or bad. There's some kind of end to it. That's what my thinking was. No, I get, I get it. And then they were just like, no, nah, like you have bipolar. And I was like, oh my God, like this is the rest of my life. But then I had to, to go off, piggyback off what you just said. I was like, oh, I've probably just been dealing with this my whole life though. I was like, it probably is like, you know, like something that's, that I've been dealing with. But your diagnosis is, I've never heard of your diagnosis. If you could let me and the audience know about your diagnosis, this is extremely fascinating to me. Yeah, sure. So it's, it's called schizoaffective disorder. And so, yeah, it kind of encompasses schizophrenia, but then like a mood disorder as well. It's not just like pure schizophrenia, it's the mood disorder as well. That's how I kind of explain it. But again, I didn't understand when I was given that diagnosis because it was, yeah, like it's a shock as well. It was such a shock. I knew that I wasn't well, but you know, you're not expecting that diagnosis, right? No, you don't. No, especially when you're in there, you're like, I know me. You know, it's like I have some stuff, but like I'm I like I kind of have control, I guess, of it. I think we do a lot of mental gymnastics to ourselves when uh we're in these deeper and darker places and we try to self-diagnose, which is what a lot of people end up doing. They they self-diagnose themselves. And uh to finally get the diagnosis, I remember going into it, and then I remember when I got it, I did have a moment where I was like, This is so terrible, like this is the worst day of my life. But then after I was like, all right, you know what? At least I know. Okay. At least I know now. And it was kind of a relief to be like, okay, so now how do I go about just getting better with this? And then, you know, it actually, you know, it led me to what I'm doing now. So for me, my downs are very down, like superbly down, 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 down. I had a depressive episode like a week and a half ago, like for four days. And I was remember just being like, all right, you know, it's so much better now because I do have the necessary coping mechanisms to deal with it mm-hmm. before I didn't. So I kind of am able to ride the wave the best that I can at this point Amazing. with mine. Amazing. Yeah. So thank you. I appreciate that. And, and for me, I always try to ask other people with the same diagnosis or different diagnosis is especially when we're in the space where we talk about mental health and we want to help people. I think people kind of forget that like we struggle too. Mm, yeah. sure. You know, people look to us for a lot of help and obviously people look to us to get a lot of answers. And sometimes it's like, I almost forget. I'm like, Oh shit. Like, wait, like I struggle too. I, I almost forgot. Yeah. Do you have moments like that, especially in the profession that you do that you're like, Oh wait, like I forgot, like I have some shit going on. Yeah. Well, yeah, a lot, a lot, especially, you know, trying to support other people 
a lot of other people that's tough like boundary i i'm so bad with like boundaries and stuff I've, I've, yeah me too it's tough right especially i think you know given again what you do and like social things like social media i mean i don't know about you but i just get a lot of messages oh yeah a ton of dms yeah yeah and some tough ones maybe heavy shit like you, you don't realize like unless like you're in it and you know i love being a mental health advocate but some like i'll, I'll read a dm and, like cry sometimes mm. i'm like damn dude and you know i try to when we're in a position where we're trying to help so many people sometimes we kind of forget to help ourselves yeah so it's like i can't give you the necessary attention that you need right now because i'm going through it myself yeah no absolutely someone someone said to me once like it's okay because just sometimes all people need is just just to release it. Sometimes they don't want an answer because I was always, you know, I need to give people the solution or I need to fix, you know, people. But sometimes, yeah, maybe people just need to just vent and you know know that it's going to be received non-judgmentally. Someone that understands, but then obviously. You know, there's always the, yeah, I get that thing of like, because you don't want people to go through what you went through, right? And you want people to, you know, I'm lucky as well. I've got tools now that, you know, I use when I'm in bad places, but other people don't have those tools. So you want to be able to give the, but yeah, it's it's such a, it's such a, I, I actually, because um, I know you spoke to Kevin Hines and. Um, oh yeah, that's my man. Yeah, love, love yeah. I mean, he's, he's such a legend and. I mean, he was telling me about, again, like how he struggles with, with this thing of like trying to help everyone, trying to fix everyone. It's, it's tough. It's so tough. It is, yeah, really tough. And it's something that I think about. I think it, it's kind of, it's always been in my nature to kind of make sure other people were okay, like kind of for myself. Mm -hmm. And I think it's one of my best traits, but it, mm -hmm. at times it can be a little detrimental, like to my own mental health, it's like, you know, because listen, when you take on a lot of everybody's emotional baggage, it can become yours. Yeah. Some of these things can be triggering for certain people. And like, I even find when I do this show or when I go and speak at like my old school and talk to them, it's like, you know, I, I let people know, like, I don't have all the answers. Like, you know, I'm not a doctor. You know, I've never claimed to be. I'm just letting you guys know, like, this is what I go through. And this is what I've picked up along the way that's been helpful to me. That's the only thing that I could do. But that's great. I mean, don't never underestimate how much that helps people because, and no offense, but sometimes doctors don't always, sometimes doctors don't always give the best, maybe. Oh, for sure. A good amount of the time. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So, it's like, hearing scientific. it from you. Yeah, yeah. Right. Exactly. So, but hearing it from you is like, completely different was like i mean i've got so much from like talking to people with lived experience more than maybe you know psychiatrists psychology oh for sure it's like hey i'm like hey i even like talked to my psychiatrist a couple times about it it's like sometimes like i'd rather listen to a dude that like openly like tried to kill himself because i think they've gone a little deeper than you <laughs> i love it i love the honesty that's like when i was talking to kevin hines i was just like yeah like dude like that shit Put a charge in my ass, you know. I was like, "This dude's story is unfucking believable." Uh huh. Uh -huh. So uh -huh. that's why, for me, that's like the flip side of doing what I do. I get to hear all of these amazing stories, you know, some good, some bad, and I feel that if I didn't have a platform and was able to speak to people about it, who knows where I would be? 
Have you ever taken a, a, a psych ward vacation? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. The sticky sock vacation. I, I've taken one. I've taken two actually in my days. But like you know, it's it's almost like the best conversations that I ever had were in there. Mm, yeah, it's true. You know, it was like it's like hey, like we're gonna go to group session right now. But I'm just like oh, like we were all just having a great conversation, just talking about why <laughs> we're in here right now. <laughs> That's like, do you know what? So I was in hospital during covid two years ago and that was the worst because i've been in hospital lots of times before covid and when it was covid like oh my god we couldn't mix with each other and everything was on like the screens and so those sorts of conversations it was horrendous it was so hard like you were just you didn't mix with the other people in there you would just had your like the psychiatrist come and like you know the nurses come but that was hard that was hard. I don't know how people got through. I was in there for a, a little bit, but people were in there like a long time. It's tough. Really oh, yeah. tough. Yeah, yeah. And especially in the beginning of COVID too, for me, like online therapy was super weird. Yeah. You know, but then the crazy thing is like, I'm kind of used to it now. Yeah. <laughs> but there was, a, there was that growing period, like the growing pains of being like, this isn't the proper treatment that I usually get. So like now I've completely switched to this different type of treatment. Yeah. So I had a couple of days where I'm like, dude, I'm going on vacation, uh-huh. you know, like, cause I'm having a hard time. Like I haven't seen my family in like a year. Like this is like 2020 was so fucking bad. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it was so bad. In 2021 as well. To be honest. 2021. Oh man. I just remember that era where COVID was like, we don't know where it is. Don't go outside. I said, this is, this is going to be the end of me. This is going to be a horrendous situation. So cool. But you got through it. Got through it. I'm here. Yeah. I'm here. I'm here. So it's schizo associative effective. Yeah, schizo effective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Schizo effective. Can you tell me what some of the symptoms are like and what kind of led you to that led up to you going getting that diagnosis? Yeah. So I mean, so schizo effective, often it's like schizophrenia bipolar. Right. Like a mix. I think for me, it's mostly depression. It's mostly always been depression. In my teenagers, in my 20s, in my 30s, it's like some highs, but mostly depression. Mostly. Yeah. So that's the kind of mood thing. And then the schizophrenia thing, I mean, like psychosis. My first episode, I guess, of psychosis was I felt like I was being possessed. Like literally felt like the devil was kind of inside of me and it was horrendous. So I, I was... I went onto like the streets and I was like screaming and I was shouting and I was the stuff that was coming out of me it wasn't me it was like yeah there was something inside of me and obviously people were, like cars were stopping and like people were like what the f-? like they thought I was on drugs because you know obviously, obviously like yeah that's the first thing everybody goes to the last thing they think is like mental illness is like oh this guy's like all fucking cracked out yeah it was really it was it was but that led me to hospital psychiatric hospital and that led me to diagnosis because i had the psychosis and i had the depression as well and led me to my first inpatient like stay my vacation and that was the worst that was the worst yeah the first one's tough yeah you know they're like oh you're gonna take all of our my stuff and i can't leave like oh that's rough wait hold up what's going on in here i know and like obviously family and friends and like you know it's like because it's not just you, it's like everyone around you as well. It's you worse. And it's su- again, it's super embarrassing. And then, yeah, it really is. Like a depressive person being embarrassed is like one of the worst things that, that can happen to us. 
because the AGS triggers like so much other stuff in our brains. It's like, oh man, like this is what I've always been telling myself, you know, because listen, we beat ourselves up so much. And then people who, you know, that aren't even diagnosed, like that's just the culture that we're brought up in the social media age. It's like, we're just kind of made to like hate our bodies, hate our features, hate our looks, hate our peers. You know, like this is like, you know, everything is just so fueled to just be like, I have to find something that I don't like about everything. Yeah. And it's exhausting that, you know, and we get so much shit jammed down our throats these days that it's very difficult to kind of, you know, find the silver lining, like what's fake, what's real. And like, what's just there. It's a very weird era that we live in. And it's trying to find like a common ground with people though. I think since COVID has been a lot easier because I think a lot of people are starting to be more open about mental health. I think mental health is in a great place right now in terms of so many people talk about it on all levels. But for you, what made you... All right, so you have your episode, you go into the hospital. I ran away from the hospital I was in. in Oh, wow. You booked it, Yeah, (laughs) yeah. I just, I was horrendous. I was on the, the suicide ward, you know, as they call yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was there too. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's horrible, right? Yeah, yeah. I just couldn't take it anymore. I literally couldn't take it anymore. I was also, I think to me, you said about embarrassment. So I was struggling with my sexuality, come from a Jewish family, home, community, just the shame, the embarrassment of not just the mental health, but sexuality. I was done. When my psychiatrist started pushing me, about like, you know, you got to talk about whatever's going on. I was like, nah, done. So I ran away. I ran away. I managed to uh, to escape. And How'd you get out? Huh, really easy, actually. Really easy. It was like, <laughs> I mean, I don't recommend it. Obviously, I'm not going to. No, recommend. obviously, like, don't run away. I, I, listen, I love a good runaway story, though. Like, oh, really? You know, yeah, 100%. Oh, okay. 100%. You know how many people, that's like mostly what we talked about while we were in there. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Everyone talks about fucking running out of there, dude. That's the first thing. As soon as we go in there, they take all our stuff. We're like, oh, God, well, what do we do? How do we get the fuck out of here now? <laughs> yeah, it's true. But it was so easy. Like, again, I shouldn't say this, but it was really easy <laughs> to get out. Seriously. Like, yeah. I just said I needed a cigarette. <laughs> And uh, I didn't smoke back then. I smoke now. I, I didn't smoke back then. Yeah. But they were like, oh, yeah, go on. Off you go. And I just ran. I ran as fast as I could. Did they chase you or like they were like, we can't? <laughs> no. No. Where'd no. you go? So I'm from London, as we yeah, discussed. And so I was, I was in London in, a, in this hospital. I ran to a bridge. That was my plan. Like, that you know. It, yeah. Yep. Yeah. It was always in my head. Like, bridge. I don't know. That was my thing, right? It's so weird because in those like kind of moments, your brain is racing so fast. But for some reason, it's very easy to lock onto one thing. Mm. Like it's like organized chaos. You're like, I'm going to run from here and just like run to this bridge. Yeah, absolutely. And I did it. I did it. <laughs> you know, central, you know what London's like. Central, yeah. I was in central London. Like, you know, I was, and then I, yeah. And basically, it's a central bridge in the, on the Thames. And so, I don't know. I just, it was in my head. And so I, I got there and I went over the, the barrier. But look, there was this guy that came and he basically just stood next to me and started to kind of try and engage me. And I mean, look, I don't remember like all the little details. Right. Yes, it's pretty, so much shit going on. Oh my God. But 
there was just something about him that I can't like there's something about him that was like just different to like everyone else like my psychiatrist and the nurses and do you know what I mean my fat like there was just something about the way that he was he was like <laughs> he was just so saying cool. all the right things yeah but also like but also just just chilled he was just really chilled I'd never like in the hospital everyone was like if I you know because suicide was something that was coming up a lot and whenever I said I felt Oh, I felt suicidal. There'd be like medication. You need to right, calm down, take these medications. Like, right. Just, yeah. Yeah. But with this guy, I was like, hey, well, just, yeah, it's all right. I don't mind. Just tell, tell me how you feel. Like, I, I, it was just so like, just had a great approach. Oh my God. Like now when you were up there and this guy, I mean, this guy was like, a, you know, as cliche and corny as it sounds kind of like your guardian angel at that moment. So you're speaking to this guy do you still keep in contact with this guy at all? Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. I love everything about that. Like, I know it was a horrible situation, but that type of shit, like, restores my faith in humanity. Yeah. You know? I know. Like, that's a beautiful thing, man, that you get to have this person in your life. That's amazing. We, the crazy thing is, is, like, we're best friends now. What? That's unbelievable. <laughs> I know. It's, it's so, like, we hang out. We we give talks together. We talk about our experiences to help other people. You know, we've run marathons together. Like it's crazy. It is crazy when you like think about it. What's his name? His name's Neil. His, his name's name is Neil. Neil. Are you guys around the same age? Is there like an age difference? He's a, no. Well, yeah, he's a little bit older. He's a little uh, so bit I'm, older. I'm 35. He's 39. Dude, shout out to Neil. What a savage. Yeah, I know, right? He's just got this thing about him where he doesn't hesitate to like. He just says things like, I'm always like, oh, should I say that? Should I not say that? Yeah. Should I do that? Should I not do that? He doesn't have a filter. He just like says things. Yeah, what you see is what you get. Yeah, 100%. And, wow, uh, that's a, so you run away from this psych ward. You run to this bridge, central bridge, and then Neil just shows up and just starts chatting you up a little bit. Yeah. And now yeah. you guys are best friends running marathons. Well, so there was a gap. Of That's course, I'm there sure. Was, yeah, was a big gap, and it didn't end very well either. Because uh, so he, he managed to, to tall me down. Like eventually, right. it took time. It took time. It wasn't going to like you know. He had to sort of get through. I was rude. I was rude to him. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's usually what it is too. You're probably telling him to fuck off and a whole bunch of yeah, yeah. Yeah, I did. I did. I did. I was like, just leave me alone. Like I don't like just just leave me. Like, but he was like, I'm not going anywhere, and. It was that sort of persistence and groundedness and calmness. And like, eventually, yeah, he, he managed to convince me to come. So this was the middle of winter as well. And, you know, you talked about London. I mean, it yeah, was yeah. freezing. It was so cold. But he managed to talk me. He, he was like, let's go for a coffee. Right. Let's just you and me go for a coffee. Anyway, he managed to talk me down. The police <laughs> showed up because someone had called the, the police, sure. the cops. And that was messy. It was messy. It was really... Yeah, I got handcuffed and I got restrained and I got taken away. And it, it ended in a really sort of like, he was just like, you know, kind of, it didn't end well. And yeah, it um, wasn't like very like movie-ish. Not at all. Not yeah. at all. Not at all. And then I was like, I don't know. I mean, it was always there in the back of my head, you know, what he'd done. And I talked to people about it and they were like, you should try and find him. And I was like, yeah, but how? See how selfish we are, though, too? It's like we all love a good, like, a great ending. It's like, oh, go find this guy. <laughs> I know. I know. Yeah, you're saying it's so, like, oh, so the most too. traumatic day of my life. I want to be reminded of it all the time. But yeah, you know what? I'll try and find him. 
Oh my god, that's so true. That's yeah. so true. Yeah. But people, you know, they people want that good story, don't they? They want to for sure their well, faith in humanity. I know. So I get it. I, I get it why people were like, you know, find him. And so I did six it was six years on. I six years until you saw him again. Wow. Yes. It was crazy. I mean, uh, and as well, like the way it happened. So I, it was through social media. It was through social media. You want to know what's weird is he, you probably thought about him pretty much every day for six years. And I guarantee you, he probably did the same thing. Well, the thing is he walked over that bridge every single day for the next six years. So yeah. Wow. And every time he walked past, you know, yeah. Where's my guy Johnny at? Isn't that wild? You go through your entire life. And how old are you when this happened? So I was 20. You're 20. So when you're 20 years old, you run to the Central Bridge. You guys never seen each other probably ever before. And you're going to do this. You're going to do this in your mind. You've already made it up. You're like, I'm going to go. I'm going to jump off this bridge. And then Neil walks over there. You get arrested. Not great ending. Yeah. And then six years later, you find him. And you guys probably thought about each other every day for six years. But the thing is with, you know, I didn't know this obviously before, but he's told me since, like, he didn't know if I was dead. Like, he was That's like, what I'm saying. He probably thought you were dead. Right. Exactly. Yeah. He was like, you know, I was in such a bad way. Yeah. It's like, I'll, I tried to help this guy. And then he probably told so many people about this story, you know, and he probably wanted to try and find you too. Well, I see Neil. <laughs> he's so sweet. He told him to basically, the thing is, he was a personal trainer. See, he was going to the gym, right? And so he was late. Like, obviously, I made him late. But he didn't want to, like... It was such a big thing for him. He didn't want to just tell everyone at the gym because it was too, like... It was so personal for him. So he only told a really select number of people. And actually, it was his wife that connected us through social media. Thankfully, thankfully, because... A friend of a friend of a friend of a friend of hers. He doesn't use he doesn't use like social media. He's like so it was down to his wife, Sarah, who uh saw the post on Facebook, thankfully, and was like, Oh my god. But just to say as well, I got his name wrong, which is really embarrassing. You know, again, my memory of that sort of whole interaction was really like I remembered like the feelings, you know, of how he made me feel, like listen to and like but not like the, especially the way it ended. It was like, we didn't have time to like exchange like details. So I got his name wrong. I thought his name was Mike. And so I launched this, I launched this social media campaign called Find Mike. For Mike. And uh, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, and, but, but the crazy thing is, is that people called Mike came forwards. Oh, I'm sure. Just like, hey man, yeah, I, know, I spoke to you that time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But they were, they were people that had stopped other people. Like, Oh so, wow! Again, this is really this is really sad. But the Thames in London is it's it's a popular place for people to go. You know, right. when they're, unfortunately there's so we we've done some work with the riverboats, the lifeboats. Oh my god, the amount of people that right go there and they they jump in. So there were loads of people that came forwards after I launched this thing, being like, "Oh my god, I don't know if it was you I stopped, but I stopped someone." At, you know, and. It got quite big, the whole campaign. We were like on CNN. It was it was crazy. Oh, wow. It got that big? The search for Neil? That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. So Neil lo- loves this. But at one point, it was, it was trending. You, people will go so far and above and beyond for a great 
reunion story. That's so true, right? People want it so bad. So basically, when when I launched this thing, it, it was trending like above like Obama. It was trending above Beyonce. And so Neil has this thing. He's like, I was bigger than Obama and Beyonce. <laughs> and like, it was, honestly, it was, yeah, there was just something about that whole, it was, I don't know, it was like people just, they wanted that, that reunion. Hell they wanted yeah. that. Yeah. They just got behind the whole thing. Yeah. It was really. Hashtag fine Mike. Yeah, I know. Yeah. It took you six years. It might have took you six days if you remember his name. That's the thing, you know? But, but now, in a way, that's another blessing as well. Hashtag fine Mike. Because it became such a big thing. If it was fine Neil, it would have been over in like two days. That's so true. That's so true. It's very true. And we made a whole documentary. So this is the, another sort of crazy thing is that, you know, we were just going to make a little film just to do the search. But it got so big that there's a TV channel in the UK called Channel 4, which is really big. And they were like, we want this. I even got, this is, this is ridiculous. I got a message from Paramount Pictures. <laughs> I know, right? It's crazy. To be like, we want to buy your life rights for this story. Uh, <laughs> and you're like, okay, yeah, $10 million. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I was just, I was just so overwhelmed. Dude, that, this is unbelievably cool though. Yeah. It, All it from, thank God you pretended to smoke a cigarette that day. <laughs> yeah, it's true, right? Sometimes you got to have the cojones to run away from something. You know, in, in, in your mind, right? You thought that you were doing the right thing, which in the grand scheme, obviously it wasn't. But in that, in, in your mind, you're like, I can't deal with this anymore. I have to do this. And this turns into hashtag find Mike. Yeah. You got Paramount, CNN. That's crazy. It's crazy. The world trying to find Mike. You know, crazy. Thank God you got his name wrong. <laughs> it's so true. I've never. Do you know what? I've never thought. Of, never thought of that. Yeah. I'm gonna. Yeah. I've never thought of that. You gotta let it's him know. True. If it was hashtag find Neil, it would have been over with. It's so true. It's so true. So many mics in the world, and like you said, people coming forward just being. Everyone's. I have a, my brother's name is Michael. See, exactly. You know, everybody knows a mic. Exactly. And I'm sure you know if you think about it from an outsider looking in. This is like, oh, this is the coolest story I've ever heard, mm. you know? But when you're dealing with it, just going back to that time frequently, you know, obviously that this all became from a suicide attempt, which is like, you know, if you break it down and go down to it, you know, when you remember the story, do you find some levity in the situation? Because for me, like, I have to find some levity with what I deal with or like I wouldn't be able to do it. So actually, to be honest, like I, I really struggled. I had a breakdown soon after the. So I, that's the thing. Like I hadn't had a a relapse. Yeah, it's like six years of like I'm still dealing with this shit. Yeah, exactly. But I had a relapse like soon after I launched the set. We did this oh, thing, yeah. and because it was intense, it was really intense. Actually, it was really intense. Did you become obsessed with the search? Yeah, I did, and the media, like the media. That was intense. Like the journalists, like they really like to pry and get really. I, I just wasn't ready. I don't know. I wasn't. I didn't have any training. I wasn't right. And then every day you're just talking about like, oh, and then so you wanted to kill yourself, and you're like, yeah. It's like I, I answered this question five thousand times already. But some journalists, like I remember, like there was one radio interview, and this guy was like, "Take me back to the bridge. Like, take me back to those feelings. Take me back to the what you could see on that on the ledge." And I was. Like, this is too much. And 
I remember like after a few days of launching this, I was like, I can't do this. I just can't do this. It's just too, too much. But I'm glad that I was really like well supported by people around me. And they were like, it's fine. Just like, well, we've got you and we're doing this. Everyone was so supportive actually, which was amazing. And so, yeah, they pushed me. And then, and then, so it took, what was it? Two, three weeks for this guy to come forward. I'll never forget when they were like, I think we, because so basically, and I haven't said this, but so there were, was it 38 people in total that had come forward being like, I think it might have been my friend. I think it might have been my cousin. So I was working with an organization because I couldn't have done this on my own. And, oh, and no. they had to, yeah, and they had to interview each person, right? Just because I just, I couldn't. And then they, they got to Neil and they were like, he's the one. And so they told me and I was like, yeah, I can't put it into words. Yeah. Now, did they like fly you guys or like make you guys meet? <laughs> They did. And it was it was in a pub in London. It was this kind of like, because they wanted it to be real and, and natural. So they were like, they got this massive camera crew and they were like, we had to wait in separate rooms and like we needed the toilet at the same time. And like, it was just, it was so mad. It's, it's, on, it's on camera. So when we were reunited, it was just this like, again, I can't put into words. Now, when that's going on, you know, like you said, you kind of relapsed during that. How was your mental health like on that day? There was just so much going on in my head because I, because it's not just me, it's my family. It me like it meant so much. To a lot of people don't know that there's a lot of people involved. Oh my god, it's like my friends as well. Like, and I mean, like my my parents. Like, you know, like when I was on the news about this thing, like they were getting calls from all their friends. Right. Oh my god, did you, Johnny was on the news and like. It was huge for them, you know. Again, like come from a Jewish conservative family. We don't talk about feelings. Like it was a lot for everyone. So I felt a lot of there was just a lot on my kind of shoulders when I was meeting this. I was worried about what was going to come back into my head. And like there was a lot. I think when you I have to send you the clip because you I think you can see when I'm I'm just a mess. I'm a mess when I'm. So you know, they they we they open. He opens the door and we go to meet. And I'm a mess. I'm a mess. Like yeah. j- not even not even crying. I just mean you know, like oh my god. Like just feel like I was nervous. I was scared. I was like shaking. And but he was just this like this, like he was on the bridge, just chilled, so chilled and calm. And like I just he was like, don't be nervous. Like you don't need to be nervous. Yeah. And I don't know that was it. And then I remember. And again, I'll send you this clip because there's a moment when like it all literally came back into my head like the whole like him being there like and oh it was crazy it was just the most sort of um but it was it was like so special because yeah for him and and for me like I you know I could say to him like I've come so far and you know that person that you met that first day is now different like sure yeah everybody yeah six years everybody's gonna change in six years yeah that's so beautiful though if you yeah. if you encapsulate that entire journey if you didn't struggle what you struggled with you would never have this amazing this is a beautiful life experience that you had yeah i know i feel i i'm yeah i'm really lucky like i'm so lucky because not only that it was like then our families got to me and then we got a call from prince william and uh, <laughs> right and, and they were like we want to everybody it doesn't matter how famous they are yeah, i know it's crazy people love a happy ending right you know right and then you know it, it's almost the good thing about it is that you know with movies the happy ending then movie's over 
But yeah, now you guys crazy, just get to have crazy. all these all these amazing experiences together. Yeah. Unbelievable, man. Yeah. I mean, look, I think it's important to be to be honest and say that it hasn't always been like Oh, I'm sure. Plain sailing. Like, because it was intense. We were like thrown into it. And again, when we were reunited, the media were like asking so many questions, like, Neil, tell me every little detail of your life and like why you stopped. Like, have you had mental health? Like issues, and he was like, "I like, whoa, like, I'm not doing this. I just want to like get to know Johnny. I don't want to like do all the. It was tough, and it's also it's like you kind of go from he's talking to you like out of your like out of killing yourself, and then it's like you guys are kind of like forced to be like business partners. Yeah, like everything, like every <laughs> you know, like, like oh, hey, was, what's up? Uh, we're a, we're a company now. Yeah, it was crazy. Like they literally, we were like. You know, one day we'd be in like Scotland giving a, a talk. The next would be we'd be flying out to New York to give a talk. And like we would be on our emails all the time. We wouldn't like our friendship got lost. Oh, of course, because you're just all you're talking about is is work and that day. That's like kind of what it is. It's like even taking the time to like get to know each other kind of is just like through cameras. Yeah, absolutely. So And then I'm sure in your mind too, like for a while you felt like you could never get mad at him. Yes, true. You know, it's like, God damn it, I want to yell at this guy so bad, but he did this thing for me once. Yeah, it's true. (laughs) So it's like I can't get mad at him. It's so true. And then and then you go into a talk and everyone's like, Your best friends, it's amazing. You're like the best people ever. Oh my god. And like we've got to like Yeah, like, yeah, it's crazy. Like Like, we just yelled at each other before we got out here. (laughs) Yeah, I know, right? It's one of those things. That's just how the world is, though. You know, it's it's a what have you done for me lately business. Right. We live in. Do you know? Yeah, of and course. like like you know, we'd miss a train and we'd shout at each other. <laughs> you know, it's your fault. It's your fault. And then we'd have to go into a talk and present like this. But look, like we've learned over the years to like work is secondary to our friendship for sure. But it's, you yeah, know, human it, beings. Yeah, sure. You know. It wouldn't be a real friendship if you guys like never got mad at each other. Yeah. That's what makes it real. That's what makes it authentic. Sometimes you got to yell at your friends. It just happens what it is. Yeah. So, you know, you guys go into the, to the public speaking, you know, you guys, obviously this amazing journey that you're dealing with, but um, I wanted to touch on something that, that you mentioned before. And I think it's very important to talk about is I think a lot of people have a hard time understanding how much, including myself, how much of a strain it could be and a pain in the brain, no pun intended, when you're dealing with your sexuality in, like you said, a conservative family where you don't want to be embarrassed, you don't want to let people down, you don't want to be this, you know, for lack of a better word, a burden on your family. And then you said your psychiatrist or psychologist was like, hey, you should talk to them about it. Did you ever have, like, obviously, I'm sure you did, but do you remember that conversation with your parents? Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know, I ran away, had this incident on the bridge. Right. Came back to, I had to go back to that hospital. My psychiatrist was so mad at me because, you know, I'd lied. I'd said I was getting better. I was doing, you know, and I'd lied. That day, he can't, you know, you have to fill in the, you have to fill in the forms oh, on yeah. a scale of, yeah, on a scale of one to 10. How suicidal are you? I was like, I'm fine. He was mad. And so he really, um, pretty, really pushed me when I got back. He's like, you need, I know, like, he didn't, he wasn't like. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He wasn't like trying to out you or anything, but he was like, you got to get a hand. This is a thing that you're, it's going to kill you. 
Yeah. And so he was like, I'm going to get your mom in and you're going to sell her. <laughs> so. Oh, wow. That's intense. Yeah, good. Do you ever look back on that moment too? You're like, goddamn doctor. <laughs> yes and no, because if he hadn't have done it, to be honest, then maybe I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have. He forced me. He forced me to bring my mom in, <laughs> tell her in the room. It was the worst thing, but the best thing. Do you know what I mean? Because I was like, this is painful, but it's done. Like, it's done. I've said the words. You know now. You got to deal with it now. Like, but now it's not just me. And <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. Did you feel like that you got a little bit better that day? Like in terms of, I'm sure, you know, it, for lack of better words, you feel that you felt a little more liberated mentally? Or were you just like, you were just like, my life is super over now. Now my real yeah. life's over. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like my mental health, like this is all right. But like now that my real life's over. Yeah, because it's not just your mom. It's then your aunties and your uncles and your cousins and like the whole extended family and your bro. And I was like, I'm done. Like it, it was years. Like, like as I said, it was years of what well, therapy. Like I had to get. Obviously, I didn't know at the time, but I was like, I need to process this thing with 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 someone. So yeah, I love that your psychiatrist was like, "You're gonna tell your mom that you're gay right now." <laughs> it's like, whoa, dude, take it easy. <laughs> like you know, like that's a lot. That's a lot of pressure. It's like, hey, man, I know you ran away and like you were gonna take your own life, but you know, we got to keep our foot on the gas here. So we're gonna call your mom. I was like, this is like like a TV show, reality show. I know, right? Great, like honestly, like oh god, yeah. So your mom was there. Was your father around? No, we can't. No, so I had to do that separately. So you had to do twice. Yeah. Oh my god. What was the doctor's pressure like on that one? He's like, all right, we're going to get dad in here next. It's like, yeah, it's like a studio audience. Like Jerry Springer, this guy made me go through. Oh, he's, uh, yeah. He made me do that at home. I could go home and do that. So that was good. Yeah. That was something. But yeah, it was, it was definitely a, because like I said, there was aunties. Like it was not just a, it's done. Oh no, that's the shot heard around the world. <laughs> and then in your mind, it's like, Man, I feel like these people probably would have rather it, the way I'm sure that you were thinking. They would have rather hear that it, like I jumped off this bridge than if, yeah. uh, that I was gay. Yeah, you know, religion, religion. a lot. Religion's tough, man. Yeah, religion's tough. These old books, man. I know, right? You know, and it's weird. Like, are you religious at all? Not really. You're kind of out. It's like it's like I have like uh, like spiritually like I'm religious, and it's like yeah. You read some of these like old scriptures from the Bible, and you're like, whoa. I know, man. Somebody was having a bad day when they wrote this. <laughs> somebody was somebody is suppressing some feelings when they wrote this book. But you the know? thing is, yeah, 100%. I'm 100% convinced one of the prophets was gay. Uh, yeah. I, don't care what, I don't care what anybody says. 100%. One of them was gay. And one of them had a big crush on Jesus. 100%. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. But the thing is, though, it's not just the books it's the community yeah isn't it? i mean like going to synagogue it's like oh what's that person oh oh what's going on there what's going on that person oh god show our best selves or they get married oh what about a girlfriend for johnny like it's all a contest oh my god it's all a contest so the thing was as well my brother was about to get married i didn't want to tell my whole family before because so yeah you don't want it to take over the wedding 
Well, the thing was, the rabbi who married my brother and, and his wife in front of everyone, because I was my brother's like usher. So the rabbi turned to me in front of everyone and was like, oh, you, you, you're quite handsome. And uh, I've got a daughter. Like literally, and I broke down in tears. I literally broke down. There's video of my brother's wedding where I'm like crying because... That rabbi was probably like, dude, like she's not that ugly. <laughs> he's like, it's a, you know, he's like, he's like, well, she's not, she's not ugly. <laughs> it was so awkward. It was so awkward. But I was, just, I just come out of hospital. I was still struggling with like mental health, sexuality. And then he did this in front of all my family. And I was like, Oh, just this is too much. It's too much. Everywhere you go, someone's just outing you. I know, right? Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. Oh, man. Literally, my my story has just been ripped away from you. (laughs) Yeah. So the rabbi does that and you're crying. How did your brother react to it? He was so chill. That's the thing. In my head, I built up, I built up this whole thing of like, oh, he's going to be like, He's going to be like my brother, like he's, he's gay. But he was just like, he literally like shrugged his shoulders. And I built this whole thing in my head. Yeah. yeah. I built this whole thing up in my head. He was going to be somehow pissed off or he'll like, he didn't care. He, well, he cared, but he just, he, he wasn't bothered. No, he cared. He cared if you were all right or not. Yeah. yeah. But it's amazing, you know, with everything, like what we build up in our heads about what other people will react. For and sure. And it doesn't, doesn't come true. And I'm like, all that I've spent so much time in my head going over this situation where you're going to react and it, it just it you build up this callous kind of where it's it's almost like the thing that you have to do today you put it off till tomorrow mm. and then it becomes like six years yeah. you know and then it becomes like this thing and then it's like oh like wow I wish I did this you know, know. six years ago but th- but you can't stay in that mindset because your journey is your journey you know like yeah. everything happens the way they happen and you know you know, not, not all of us are privileged to have a psychologist that's going to put us in a wrong <laughs> situation. Oh my gosh, I don't know about that. No, but it's, listen, like, I really always think about it. I always ask this question too. Did anybody go, I knew it? A couple of people. people. And they're always full of shit. <laughs> you know, they're always full. You didn't know shit. <laughs> it's so true. You know, it's like, I knew it. It's like, no, you didn't. I wouldn't be telling you if you knew it. That's so true. That's so true. Yeah. People love to bring like people's sexuality into like just as human beings, like we internalize everything and like things have to be about us like a majority of the time. It's like, you know what? I knew it. (laughs) Yeah. Now you're taking this brave thing that I'm doing and just saying I knew it. That's your response. (laughs) Why don't you ask me how I'm feeling? All right. You idiot. <laughs> so people, people love to feel that they've kind of got one up on you or... Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I knew yeah. before you knew. It's like, no, you didn't. <laughs> yeah. Right? This is my life and my identity. Don't take it from me. People love to be the gatekeepers of other people's lives. You know, it's literally my let, let him get this off. Even if I knew that my brother was gay, Right. Or my friend was gay. And if they came to me and told me they were gay, this is such a big thing for them. Let them have that moment. Exactly. Let them have that win. No. That's a big moment in their life that they worked up this courage. And then you people are like, I know it. <laughs> what the fuck kind of answer is that? You idiot. Even if you did, I don't care. If this guy was like the most flamboyant person you've ever met in your life. Right. If they come to you with that kind of information. They're entrusting something in you. 
Act fucking shocked. Give them a hug. Ask them how they're doing. Get the fuck out of there. <laughs> it's so true. God, it's so true. It's so true. It's so true. It's so true. Yeah. I've had one friend come out to me and I knew, <laughs> but I played so like, I was like, wow, really? You don't let people have their moment because the courage that it takes to do that in a world where it's still, I know we're more progressive and more woke these days, but we still live in a world where people that have a different sexuality of outside the norm, mm-hmm. it's a big deal. Oh. It's a big deal. You know, we still have this generation that's here mm-hmm. that are pretty anti-gay, pretty anti-trans, pretty anti-LGBTQZ, whatever. You know, that they don't even know all the letters. They just hate everybody. So, you know, it's and you don't know how your family is going to react. You don't know. Like you said, especially people with religious beliefs, people have cut people off for less. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's the fear, I'm sure, right? Like, you know, so my family is like going to like disown me now and I'm already dealing with all this shit. It's like, this is fucking terrible. No, I knew it. Fucking God. I know. I know. This guy over here, dude. <laughs> I don't understand people sometimes, man. I really don't. Yeah, no, they're like doing it. My thing is too, and I'm sure you get this too, since obviously you go and speak and you do amazing work that uh, my producer, you know, my, my producer, Sam's fantastic. She puts me on, she gives me these prep things that I'm able to go, you know, and I get to like fall in love with people's stories like before I even talk to them. So I'm, I'm like always giddy. I'm always just like, oh, I can't wait to like talk about the story. But for you, when you're going around and telling this story, is your sexuality a part of your story, you feel like? Yeah. I think that's very admirable and I think that's very important because there's probably so many messages that you get. You were like, dude, like I struggle with this so bad and I was able to do this because of you. And that's kind of what we're in it for, for the most part, is helping other people because when we felt like we couldn't help ourselves, we wanted somebody to help us. Sure. No, sure, of course. Yeah. It could be like a fine line. It's almost like you don't want to be defined by it, but it's like what makes us who we are, our mental health, you know? And then people want to get to know you as the person. That's where all this shit comes out and you have to have all these like, you know, it's like, oh, they do this, they do that. I'm like, yeah, we're, we're just normal people. Yeah. I mean, I just still feel that there's, there's still such a stigma and there's not enough support. I mean, that's the trouble. I, you know, for all the work that you do, I do. People will reach out, but there's just not the right help and support. And yeah, no. Like the from everything from, you know, in terms of like psychiatrists to, to therapists to you know, there's not enough of them, there's long waiting times, lists, it's expensive. Like Super. people oh, it's just so sad and upset and frustrated. It's like, you know, it should be a basic human right to like try to put yourself in a situation where you don't want to feel like, you know, you want to end your life every day. Yeah. Kind of makes sense. It just feels like, I mean, for me, uh, maybe for you, I don't know, but like, it's been a long journey. To, I've got a psychiatrist now that I, I can trust, that I can talk to. I've got a therapist now that I, but it took me like 13, 14 years to find the right support that, I mean, I've, oh my God, I'm sure again, for you, seen so many like, I've literally had appointments where like in the first five minutes I've walked out. Wow. Yeah. And, I, and, but like respectfully, I'm not like, fuck you, but like, <laughs> you know, like, you know what I mean? I like flip their t- coffee table over, but it's like, you know, it's like, I'm like, Hey, listen, I'm just not feeling it. Thank you so much. 
I value people's time. I try to. Mm. So it's like, listen, it's like, but in those moments, it's weird. Like once I found my therapist now, Mm -hmm. it clarified everything that like I felt I I was finally listening to myself and just instead of just listening to what other people wanted to tell me. And, and, you know, I was actually looking out for myself, you know? So, yeah. So a couple of times that happened to me, like, you know, it's like, sometimes you go to therapy and it's like, like I'm a big cognitive behavioral therapy guy, like, you know, like finding out the science behind things and like what's going on. And it's like, I don't want to talk about like the relationship with my parents, (laughs) you know, like I want to stop having panic attacks. Like, let's like, you know, like I want to figure out like how to stop going to the hospital and like having this feeling of impending doom, you know? So like, sometimes it's like people have to really be okay with it. It's just not going to work out sometimes, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But that's good that you. I'm I'm the sort of person that will sit through the whole therapy session, and then at the end, or even like this is like three therapy sessions or four, and then I'm like, oh shit, this isn't working. Oh yeah, because the only person's time you're wasting is your own, really, because they're still going to get paid. That's true. You know, so I'm like, dude, I'm not going to waste my time with this shit. Like, you know, like this is the third time. There's just some people who you don't click with. I had one guy who was like 74 years old. I'm like, you know, I'm not trying to age you out here, but like, you know, he was talking to me and like, didn't look at me. He was like looking, he was just like, you know, old people have their glasses down here and he was like looking at this piece of paper. I was like, this is feels like uh, I'm back in like the psych eval. Like, this is strange. Like I'm good. So there were just a couple of times that I was like that. And then it's like, you go through like, do I want to see a woman? Do I want to see a man? Why does that even matter? Why does this going on? Like, do I have to speak somebody that, that has the same sexual views as me? This person married. I'm like, you put all this pressure on yourself. It's like picking out a fucking, uh, you know, like marrying someone. I know. It's put, so, put so much pressure so on her. It's so true. I've looked through like directories of like, oh, is that, mm, does that person look like, mm, uh, or they're not smiling? No, they wouldn't be right for me. Like, God, look like, it's crazy. Like, so for me, I, I have something called CFT which is, I don't know if you've heard of it. It's, no. Well, it stands for Compassion Focused Therapy. Oh. And for me, that's been a like game changer. I've tried so many different therapists and yeah, like it's been cool, but this is like a game changer for me because it's it, there's a there's an amazing lady in the, in the States called uh, Kristen Nair and she came up with this thing of like, yeah, Compassion Focused Therapy where it's like, mm. it's about your relationship with yourself, you know, and like trying to improve yeah, like you're fundamentally you're, you're how you feel about yourself, what you think about yourself, how you talk to yourself. And I mean, I'm so, in a way, I'm like, I'm really glad that it, it took me lots of different therapists to get to that right therapist. And- yeah, it's, in the moment, it sucks. But like now it's like, it's kind of funny. Like, you know, like you look back at it and you kind of have fun with it. You have to have fun with the shit. If you don't have any fun with it, it's tough. And like, you know, I'm not saying laugh at everything or do this, but like do something with it. Enjoy it. I don't believe in the afterlife. Like, I don't believe that I'm going to come back as like a butterfly or some shit. Like, you know, like I, I, it would be really cool. It's just not where my head's at. It's like, why say, why say no to like a cool experiences, even if they're shitty? I'm up for trying anything now. Like, literally, any, I will try anything, everything. You should be scared of everything. Yeah. You know, and, and then also it's like, it's like little things. It's just like, it started with little things like making my bed or like going outside. So just to give you a little story about me, like I was, my anxiety and panic were so bad that I couldn't even take a shit by myself. 
That's just how bad it was. I didn't shower. I didn't sleep. I stopped doing cocaine and drinking cold turkey. And it just sent me into like this whole, like my brain was just like, dude, like where all the stuff that we love got rid of it all. And I was like, yeah, no, I got to change my life for the better. And my life got so much worse. Oh my God. (laughs) Oh my God. Like, dude, I'm going to get clean. And your body was like, doesn't work like that, dude. (laughs) I was just like, whoa. So that like what spiraled me into like really, really bad. And then, you know, then you realize you find out why you were doing all this stuff. Mm-hmm. No, while you're drinking all the time, it's like you know, it's like that's stuff you got to deal with, man. Sure. So that was a lot. That was a lot for me to deal with. And then you know, but now it's now it's like, dude, if I got through that, I'll do whatever at this point. Mm-hmm. That's just the life I got to live. Before we let you go, because you guys got that time difference over there, it's like a different day for you right now. Can you tell us a little bit uh, about your charity? Yeah, sure. Yeah, kind of like talking about what we're what we're saying. The organization that I set up. Is basically to get things into schools early on, but like, but different things like, you know, because as we're saying, some things work for some people might not work for everyone. So, you know, we, we work with the, the young people with the schools on like, what, what's best for that person? So maybe it's CBT, the cognitive, but, but then for some people, it might be like art therapy or some people, it might be like animal therapy, like working with animals. And then, yeah, stuff comes out while you're working. Oh, so basically, amazing. that sounds amazing. Oh, there's so many amazing, like different types of like, again, treatment therapy. Like I've learned like equine therapy, horses. Oh my God. Like, I don't know if you've ever done anything with horses, but I've ridden two horse. I've ridden. Is that the right word? I've rode, ridden, uh, whatever. I'm not a, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a scholar either. <laughs> I've had two experiences with a horse. One really awesome and one really bad. Mm. So, but the last one was really good. So I'm, I'm in on horses again. I'm back. Great. I'm back. Yeah. I'm back. On Amazing. The horse. Yeah. Well, you said, uh, I mean, cause horses are so sensitive to human beings and our emotions. And I, oh, it's just amazing. Like the horses can teach us so much. And if you work with the right sort of trained therapist while you're working with the horses, it's, we've, we've seen children transform. It's just unbelievable. Like the most traumatized, whatever they've been through they transform when they're working with like animals, horses in particular, but all animals. So it's amazing. Like getting to work with young people, getting what we call, yeah, the early, the early intervention, getting in early on. It's amazing. But as I said before, like there's just so many people that need help, particularly with the pandemic and the lockdown. It's For like, sure. Oh my God. It's just, and it's not like, like diagnosing people. It's just like getting people to a point where like, listen, like it's okay to like, ask yeah. questions and like have a certain you know and and find outlets to deal with these things because a lot of like talking is a great outlet i love talking i can talk all day but sometimes you need some other things you could talk yourself into a corner you know and and that's usually what gets us in trouble is us just talking to ourselves internally right exactly there's only so much talk. it's good to have outlets and things to do i mean you might so you go into your old school like you were saying like yeah that's yeah. amazing because I just think like if we get to people young, it makes such a difference, you know. For sure, it's like you know, people. It's good to have people know their individuality very early. Yeah, you yeah. Know? And I, I come from a really small town, so it's like it's nice because like we go back and it's like, oh, it's like Danny's here, like that's kind of cool, you know what I mean? It's like, dude, I see you on, I see you on YouTube, and like I see you. That's, so, that's amazing. It's so so cool. it's like, yeah, man. I'm just like, I'm letting you know, like I've been through some shit, man. 
it's perfectly fine to be like fucked up every once in a while. It's good, man. Kids are the best. You want to know why? Because when kids tell you stuff, they really mean it. Exactly. You know, when adults tell you shit, it's like, yeah, it's, yeah maybe. I love working with going into schools. They're just so honest. They say to me that I'm really old, and I would love. I love that though. I like, know. Yeah, I love. No, I love it. I love it too. And like, I was talking about Facebook to, and they were like, "Oh, you're so old. Like, oh my god, you use Facebook." I was like, "Oh wow, like." It's so funny. Like I love that honesty, that openness. Again, like with adults, like, you know, when we go in and talk to like corporates, like companies, everyone's so like, you know, in their suits. I'm a businessman. Like, yeah. 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 Um, but when you're talking to kids, it's like they ask the best questions. They want to know like where, like on the bridge, like, oh my God, tell me how you like, they, it's amazing. I love that. They're inquisitive. They're not, not filtered. So yeah, I, our charity is all about working with people when they're young to get them early, and it's the way forwards, right? That's like, it's like almost it's kind of like when you're the bravest, you know, mentally. That's the one thing I've always loved about working with kids is like I even because I, I worked with kids forever. I taught kids how to swim for years. I worked at summer camps like every year of my life. So like kids are just they're just untethered. They don't give a fuck. <laughs> you know it's like it's like hey i'm gonna ask you this question i don't care how rude it is uh-huh, you yeah. know? and i yeah. love the authenticity of how that is and then you know these kids man it's like it's cliche and corny as it is they, they are the future they, they really are and i'd rather a bunch of kids not have to deal with what we had to deal with the way that we dealt with it yeah you know i'd rather i'd rather you know stop them you know maybe they can meet neil in school that's amazing yeah you know what i mean you know it's it's one of those things it's tough you know and but i i do think that you know we're here for a reason i think you're here for a reason neil was here for a reason maybe you should legally change his name to mike you know you never know (laughs) he's got to trademark his name he's got to copyright it (laughs) but um but listen johnny i I want to thank you so much for coming on the show i know you're a busy guy i'll let you go i just wanted to just from a, a friend standpoint I hope you're doing well and I hope you're doing okay. And remember to take time to, to take care of yourself as much as we always want to help other people. You know, just, I hope you take the time to take care of yourself, you know, have a pint or two, enjoy, enjoy life. Remember to enjoy it. This is the last question that I ask on every episode. Are you happy today? <laughs> I am now. I am now. I'm Look at that. You. I am now. Yeah. I am now. It was a stressful day. I hear stress- you. Look, like work is stressful. Like, you know, as I said before, we get every day, we get schools contact us saying, we need help. This young person is suicidal. Like, it's really stressful. The things that we come up against, you know, trying to get money, like as a a high octane business. Oh my God. Like, Like, even like you said, when you become an adult, it's like, oh, like, well, like it, cost money to like go fly this place. like you know it's like it's tough it, 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 everything yeah. is scrambled but but i'm happy now we've had an amazing day and love it. yeah i do i feel i'm really happy awesome and then also uh for anyone that's listening that wants to get in contact with you or follow you where can they find you yeah so instagram is probably the best mr johnny benjamin or the organization so it's we are beyond organizations called beyond and our channels are We Are Beyond. So we got some really cool stuff there for young people in particular. Mr. Johnny Benjamin, just like a short <laughs> English gentleman. 
Thanks for joining me on another episode of Off the Cuff, presented to you by 101 Life. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe and send us some love with a review. And don't forget, we're all in this together and you're never alone. Peace. Fate Entertainment. Ah!